Welcome to Generation Podcast, where we have real conversations about what God is doing through this generation. My name's Josh Mann, and as always, we have Sam Haywood in the house. How are you, mate? Fantastic, Josh. How are you? We're going really, really well. And for the first time ever, we have the <laughs> one and only Ryan Thomas. Thank you. Welcome. How are you feeling, mate? Uh, I feel good. I feel good. I'm ready to get stuck into this. Nice, nice. So Ryan is one of the members of the teaching team that has been putting the podcast together. Uh, he's one of the of, of 10 members and he's coming into the studio and he's going to give us his wisdom and clarity on this idol. Mm. Uh, he's lived a few more lives, a few more lives, a few more you years. You sound so old right now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, years I'll take, lives I don't think I'll, I'll stand for that one. That, that makes me sound very old. But You're I'll, a nurse. You've, saved, li- you've saved lives. That, okay, I'll, I'll take that. I'll take that. <laughs> But Ryan, as, as I was saying, Ryan uh, has has a lot more wisdom than us in terms of money and managing money. Mm. Uh, so we're privileged to have him in the studio today. And just like I said, we are looking at money and materialism today as an idol in our culture. Are you ready, everybody listening? <laughs> Strap yourselves in. Strap yourselves in. <laughs> and I think this is this could be one of the most polarizing topics that we go through. I think uh, just because mm. it is so hard-hitting because we hold our money so dear to us. Um, mm. And so we just want to say from the outset, like we've said in the last couple of episodes, that if at any point you feel pretty uncomfortable or you feel you may even get offended, maybe you feel offended, we want you to press into God at that moment mm. um, because that is usually the time that you are convicted. Um, and so we really want to encourage you to press into that those times where you feel uncomfortable because God will be doing a work in mm. your heart. Um, so let's get into it. Money and materialism. How is this an idol? How is this an idol? Yes. My goodness. Well, anything anything can become an idol, as we all know now after talking about this for so many weeks. Um, one of the things that we felt as we talked about money is that money actually is often not an idol in itself. However, it's something that almost pays for our idolatry. It's it's mm. the fuel that we throw at our idol. Um, because no one typically has a whole bunch of money in a pile. I mean, unless you're um, a gangster, like <laughs> well, so, in a you, hole in the ground that you never think about. Well, Scrooge McDuck. Do you remember Scrooge, Scrooge McDuck? Yeah. He just, just like swimming his gold. Money. So, I got no idea. <laughs> Scrooge, Scrooge McDuck. McDuck. You know, I'm, uh, I'm just Duck. proving my age. That's all, that's all I'm doing. Absolutely. And so if you think about money typically isn't an idol in itself because no one's going, man, in my backyard, I got a big old pile of money. Um, We actually, money fuels a lot of different different things for us, whether it be an identity of success, whether it be fueling our idol of security, uh, whether it be comfort, um, image, it can be, that's why it's such a big problem. Yeah. Yeah. And that's the thing. It money sort of the the way you spend your money really uh, it, it's an it's a marker of what you value, right? Yeah. Um. So I know you brought this story up uh, in mm-hmm. the earlier podcast, but I'm going to bring it up again. I'm sorry, Sam. Are uh, you going straight there? I'm going out straight, of the gates. I'm straight out of the gates because it's it's a really good example. Um, sure. And then and then I'll share something from my life as well because. Yeah. Uh, Sam, we're talking about the approval in in the approval mm. podcast, the approval episode, which absolutely crushed us. Crushed us. Um, and you're talking about your car, Sam. Yeah. And the reason why you bought mm. your car 
was to gain approval from others. Yeah, because it's not. It wasn't a. It wasn't a money thing, but money was the means by which I could buy approval. Um, you know, and as I said, I had been through a, a long season of not having any money, not having any outward success, and then it was kind of like the moment that I had the opportunity to prove that God had, you know, done something in my life. And I wasn't thinking about any of this at the time. I was literally just thinking, I want to get me a nicer car than the one that I've got. But, you know, upon further reflection, I'm like, why did I go outside of my means? Um, Because I could have been generous and I wasn't generous. And so, therefore, I was, you know, buying approval from other people or I was buying um, an identity, an image Mm. um, of success, Um, not a car, you know. Yeah. Exactly, but, but that's. Uh, I think that's that kind of sums up our our, our culture in the in, particularly in the hills area mm. is we buy things we don't need mm-hmm. with money we don't have to impress people we don't even like. like I mean, that's that's just that's why he's on the podcast. <laughs> you should be a preacher, bro. <laughs> that was great. It's it's. Can you say that again? We buy things we don't need mm-hmm. with money we don't have. So on credit or or yeah. borrowing it to impress people we don't even like. We're just yeah. doing it because we feel we need to. And we're just mm. caught up in that spiral of of materialism in, in this in this culture here. Yeah, mm. exactly. And even you were saying um, with your car, even in my life, I think the, the biggest way that this idol plays out is uh, the way I spend my money on, you know, on clothes. Sure, um, yeah. And I don't spend a heap of money on clothes, but – there are still times where I spend way too much money on shoes or way too much money on a pair of jeans or, or whatever because mm-hmm. I think, you know what, if, if I have these shoes, it's going to look sick with this outfit or people are going to notice or something like that, right? Mm. Um, and that's where, yes, I'm idolizing approval with that because I want the approval of people, but money is the means that I can get get that. Does that make sense? Yeah. Um, but, Ryan, you, you bring up this point when we were talking about it a couple of days ago that you can idolize money without having it. Oh, 100%. And I think that's a trap that people can fall into, thinking that I don't have money, so therefore I, you know, I won't be idolizing it. And it's yeah. one of those things that you don't have to have any money. I mean, you can have a little bit of money, you can have a lot of money. Mm. You can still idolize it. You can still th- see that as your, mm. uh, your strength or you can still see that as, as something that is your goal. Um, and, and I think yeah, the main thing for our, our generation is don't get conned into the idea that you need to have money in order to idolize it. Mm. Because idolizing money and not having it would look like you thinking something along the lines of my life is pretty terrible right now. If only I had money, yeah. then my life would be yeah. amazing. Yeah, And it's like, okay, is the thing that's going to take you from not liking yourself and having a whole bunch of brokenness and issues and feeling like a whole person money. Okay. At that point where trusting in money to do something that only God can do. Yeah. 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 Interestingly enough, I surveyed um, students at my school for me as 10 to 12 in, in a lot of topics with, you know, money, sex, alcohol, uh, the way they view them in, in, as opposed to uh, the way God views them. Uh, and the results for the money question, the question was, would you be happier with more money? <laughs> and what do you reckon the results were? Of course. Yeah, they, of course they would think, yeah, sure, a bit more money, Yeah, absolutely. Mm. 85% of students yeah. said they'd be happy with more money. Yeah. Wow. 
And yet the real statistic is happiness doesn't increase after I think it's seventy to seventy four thousand dollars. Yeah, that's true. Because that's enough money to not worry about bills, food, rent. Yeah. Like once you've got your, you know, bills, food, rent stuff taken care of, the the real stress that people genuinely feel and we should help them um that that subsides and then everything after that doesn't increase happiness yeah at all which is really interesting because you know the passage we talked about in the last episode jesus saying don't worry about what you're going to eat drink wear because your heavenly father knows that you need all of these things yeah. that's everything that that seventy thousand dollars pays for mm. so jesus is saying god has is going to provide for you everything that you need to feel safe secure and happy and if even if God gave you $100,000 more than that, you wouldn't feel happy, mm-hmm. even if he gave it to you. Yeah. Wow. What's, yeah. A, uh, what's a quote from uh, Rockefeller? Said, oh, so, you know, the what was the, the someone asked him a question. Yeah. He was being interviewed, I think, for, you know, for an article or, or a newspaper column or something along those we lines. We have a young adult, um, a large young adult proportion in our audience. We might have to explain who Rockefeller is, actually. <laughs> so um, is it John, John D. Rockefeller? I don't know. You I don't me. know. I'm a young adult. <laughs> let's, let's, let's go with that. I'm assuming they named the Rockefeller building in New York after him. Absolutely, yeah. So um, he was an industrialist and uh, a philanthropist back at the turn of the century. And we're talking about the turn of the 19th century uh, mm. was when he made all his money in New York. And um, I think at the time of the quote, the, they said that he was worth about 1% of the US uh, economy. Which so is like, absurd. It's absolutely obscene that one person could own that much. And, you know, put it in modern context, he makes uh, people like Warren Buffett or... Um, uh, or like a Bill Gates Bill or Gates. Elon Musk. Yeah, it makes them look like, you know, chump, chump change. change yeah. yeah. And he was interviewed and asked, uh, how much money would, you know, would you need to be happy? Mm. Or how much is enough? And his answer was just a little bit more. And, and I'm see, sure he was genuine about that. Oh, absolutely. Oh, my God. Because yeah. that's the same answer you got from, from your, yeah. your students, yeah. just a little bit more. Yeah. Um, and I think that's going to be the answer for everyone. Exactly. Everyone thinks that if they just had a little bit more, then they would be happy or mm. they would be secure or they would get enough. Mm. Yeah. And that's, and that's the same for every single age group, I think, across the globe. Yeah. Mm. Whether you're youth, young adults, uh, in the in middle age or, or elderly, you are going to just want a little bit more. Mm. And that's because our society holds money up to be on a pedestal um, and, and we yeah. think it's going to save us. That is so interesting, right? Because that's how idols work, mm. you know, because an idol, as we've said, will always over-promise and under-deliver, yeah. right? They'll always say, you just need a little bit more, you just need a little bit more and unable to give it to you right? There's always that sense of, I can't have, I can't have it, striving, 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 disappointment, disappointment, still feeling the problem, right? But God says, if you pursue me and have a desire for more of me, there is always more. Mm. Mm. Like God is inexhaustible. We can't even comprehend how much more to know about God and his character is. And God goes, if you place that desire for more in me, I will immediately give you more and you'll be hungry for more and I'll give you more and you'll be hungry for more and I'll give you more and I'm inexhaustible. Hit me as hard as you can with desire mm. and I'll push back every time. Yeah. Yeah, I think it just that hits the nail on the head just a little bit more. And that's why money is an idol and that's why we're talking about money and materialism mm. this episode. But 
going on from that, what does that what does this idol look like in our culture? How does how does this play out day to day in our society? Do you think? Well, it's in the West, different to the East. Yeah, I mean, those of us who've travelled to Eastern countries, um, it's it's not idolised in the same way that it is in the West. I mean, I was in in Fiji and we went to some very very poor parts of Fiji, and I was put up by a family who had nothing. Like they had nothing. They had a house, but to them, they didn't have nothing. They they weren't even like thinking, you know, um, when when we when we invite someone over to a house and it's a little bit messy, we're embarrassed. We're like, oh, I'm so sorry, my house is messy, and I'm sorry that I didn't have enough food. Are you hungry? Let me get you some more food. And they invited to me in their house, and by Western standards, it was embarrassing, and yet they were so happy to have me there and to be hospitable. They had one bed, one bedroom, and they insisted that I take the bed and they all sleep on the floor. Mm. I felt like a terrible person, but they insisted because it was their joy to serve me like that. Um, I, I told one guy that I thought his shirt was nice. This guy had like three shirts and he literally took it off his back and gave it to me. <laughs> and I was like, no, I don't want your shirt. And he said, well, you said you liked it. I want to honor you. I want to give you this thing. They held their money so loosely, like the percentage of their uh, wealth, their net worth that they would have spent on me while I was there on a mission trip to them would have been significant and they didn't even care. They're like, God's my provider. Mm. God's my provider. And that in contrast to how insecure we feel about our wealth is mind-blowing because i think the ultimate goal of our culture in the west particularly how we see it in sydney australia is that the that it is to have more money Uh, the ultimate Mm -hmm. goal of our culture is to have money and more of it Mm -hmm. um whether that is houses whether that is clothes technology interestingly enough i brought this up the other day and i was chatting to you sam Mm. uni degrees yeah the idea of what uni degree you are doing, that sends a message about how much money you will earn. In the future. In the future. Yeah. Mm. And subconsciously we judge people on that. Mm. Yeah. Like if I ask you, Sam, what uni degree are you doing? And you say, you know what, I'm doing law. Mm. In my mind, like, oh, that's sick. He must be smart. Secondly, I'm like, oh. He's going. He's going to get some coin. Yeah. Make some coin. Mm. Exactly. On the other hand, Sam, if you asked me when when I was at uni, what are you, gonna, what are you doing at uni? And I would say, oh, I'm studying teaching. Like, oh, sick holidays. But in the back of their mind, they'd be like, oh, plateau plateau a little bit in in the (laughs) the salary stakes. Um, But you know what? That's that's in the culture that we're in. Mm. Even something as little as your uni degree sends a message about how much money you will make. Therefore, we judge people on that. And it's amazing how much our worth is tied to how much money we earn, how much money we have. Yeah. I mean, people genuinely feel that they don't have worth if they're poor. Mm. Mm-hmm. Like genuinely. Mm. And people who have money still feel like they don't have worth. And yet the messaging is if you're rich and famous, you are the the people with the most worth in our society. Mm. And the people who are rich and famous, like Rockefeller, um, and you, you know the the guy who who did um, the the movie The Mask. I can't remember what his name is. Jim Carrey. Jim Carrey. Did we quote this on the yes, podcast we before? Did. But to, just to say it again, he was like, "I wish that everybody could have what I have, yeah, be, because then they would realize that it's not enough." Mm-hmm. So these are the people with the money, with the fame, saying, 
Just so you know, money doesn't make you feel valuable. Mm. We're going to take a little break from our podcast to get to know our amazing guest, Ryan, a little bit better today. Ryan, thank you for being on the podcast. Interesting word choice there. Which one? The amazing guest that we have here. Oh, yeah. oh, okay. okay. He wants to go there. Goodness. He wants to segue. Oh, oh, all my time. You're oh. a one, you are a one-trick pony. <laughs> We're not going to go there. Good. Ryan was on The Amazing Race. No. And, and every time I bring it up, he goes, oh, you don't bring it up. It's so awkward. You literally brought it up in a podcast. <laughs> Oh, it's too I, th- I thought I was getting blindsided. I thought I'd get ahead of the game. I thought I'd just stay ahead I of the game. I was curve. legitimately not going to ask you about the amazing race. Goodness. But to everybody listening, Ryan won the amazing race. Yes, but we're not here to talk about that. Ryan, you're a nurse. <laughs> I am, yeah. I reckon you've had some pretty funny encounters mm. as a nurse. Would you just like to tell us maybe one memorable oh. one that sticks out? <laughs> there are many. Oh, um... Censor them, please. I was going to say... PG um, one, please. It's a family show. I work uh, in intensive care, so I don't get a lot of funny stories. I get a lot of dark, you know, depressing stories. I don't think we really want to take the podcast down there. No, give us Um, the darkest one. I'm kidding. No, no. no, I think think we'll have to... I'm going to have to pass on that question. I cannot even think of anything funny. Really? You've never had a funny kind of like character come in... Not safe for work. Oh my goodness! So, <laughs> yeah. tell us about the amazing race. <laughs> How'd it go? How'd you win? What's it been like? <laughs> I think we can say we can safely say if you want to know some fantastic stories about Ryan's nursing adventures, find him at church or wherever. Find him on Facebook, DM him, and ask him some stories. He'll tell you something dark, apparently. <laughs> well, it's just, I mean, Josh's finger is a, is a next level uh, injury. I, I, that's the sort of stuff I see, you know, on a, on a regular, and I love that sort of stuff. Bones sticking out, the yeah. blood and gore is uh, is always good fun. I've got some great stories along those lines, oh but it's, it's it just doesn't suit this music. Okay. So <laughs> he loves blood, he loves bones. He's an intensive care nurse. Thanks for coming on the show. Thanks, mate. Exactly. And, and when we feel like we don't have enough, we do things in order to get more money, hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And so this idea of debt comes oh, yeah. up. Debt as a or concept debt. is ridiculous Yeah, because you go into debt because you want more money. Mm. You want more things. Isn't it weird? And there's a there's a, there's something called the Australian debt clock. I've got I've got it up on my phone right now. <laughs> I, and I would encourage people. You can just Google Australian debt clock. I mean, Australians not the worst one in the world. There's plenty of other bad ones, but it's pretty pretty shocking. Uh, I'm hit, need, hit us with it. Well, I'm actually going to need some help here because the numbers <laughs> and they're continuing to change <laughs> as I, as I'm looking at it. They're too big. I'm I I never covered this in high school maths. <laughs> um, as soon as it gets past a thousand, I can't count. <laughs> <laughs> Three zeros and I'm out. All right, zero so, past us. That's okay. <laughs> we don't like to talk about money. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm going to give it a crack. Um, the total private credit, or do we want to do the total household debt? We get total household, household debt. debt. Oh yeah, is two and a half trillion dollars. <laughs> so that's what in Australia. Is, yeah, there is uh, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen numbers. <laughs> that's crazy talk. That's two and debt. a half trillion dollars of household debt. Who is backing? Like, who's giving this money out? The banks, the government. Where's this money coming from? 
and I don't know, but I tell you where most of it's sitting. It's it's in our in our neighbourhood. It's in our neighbourhood, particularly yeah. in Sydney and particularly yeah. out in the hills. Like there is so much debt. So wh- why would someone go into debt then? To buy things they don't need to impress people that, that they don't, don't really like. care. Yeah. So I, I, I honestly, I think that's what it comes down to. Is it's yeah. you know for some people, and I think that's the thing is with money, as we said, it's 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 idle fuel. Mm. the idol will be different for different people. Yeah. So for some mm. of those people, it's about approval. It's about trying to impress people. Yeah. For some other people, it's about security and control in their mm. lives to sort of have a nice house and and be comfortable and, and send your kids to a good school. Mm. It's going to appear differently for different people. Yeah. And some people, it's just straight up greed. Yeah. And I think that's why when we talk about generosity, when the Bible talks about generosity and the kingdom of God and how the kingdom of God is so countercultural to our world, um, sometimes if we're idolizing money or money is the fuel that's idolizing our identity, our security, what we're actually hearing is you need to give me or you need to give away your security. You need to give away your identity. You need to give away your safety. Yeah. When when what God is actually asking you is you need to give away your money. Yeah. Mm. Which is a tool. Yeah. And it has no power over your life unless you give it power. But what we hear is, but my money buys me my identity. My money buys me my security. Mm. How could I possibly give away that? Mm. Who are you to tell me that I'm supposed to give away my security and identity, God? And then we all get up in arms and then the church is completely ineffective because we're not able to do what God has called us to do. Mm. Wow. That's so true. That's, I think you just hit the nail on the head in terms of the way that we, I, I view money sometimes. Mm. Uh, when someone s- stands up and speaks about money, whether it's in, in whatever context, mm. uh, automatically you get your back up a little bit because yeah. you're, you're thinking about money in the same way you think about your identity mm. or, or your approval or your, mm. whatever your idol is. Um, and that's, that's where the rub hits the road. Um, but yeah, more more than more than debt, um, mm. we spend money on gambling too, and we think we're gonna. <laughs> this is this now. This is completely in contrast to what you're saying, because you're saying yeah. you, you you literally said that we don't give money away because mm. it's our identity and it's our idols. Yeah, but in gambling, <laughs> we do give money away to get money because we think we're gonna get more money. Mm-hmm. And how much do you think Australians spend on gambling gambling each year? Well, I already know the statistics, so I'm not going to give you a fake answer. I'm going to guess $30 because gambling doesn't make sense. Well, in Australia, $208 billion. Oh, my gosh. That's so high. Each. I didn't know that. Shut up. <laughs> You're ruining my point. I'm sorry, Josh. You're ruining my point. Look, there are going to be a lot of people that are surprised. You just can't hear them. The listeners. They're very the surprised. listeners in their cars have just crashed because they're like, that's ridiculous. It's but obscene. It is genuinely obscene. $208 billion is spent on gambling each year because people think they're going to get more money out of that. Mm. And possibly they go into gambling because they originally start gambling mm. because they think they're going to get more money out of it. Mm. They think it's going to get them more security or more approval or more of whatever that money is fueling. Mm. Yeah. But then when we don't have money, when we hit rock bottom mm. and we don't have money, that's when we see the that the fact that it is an idol. Because you, yeah. we, were, we were speaking about the other day that the, when the market crashed in 2008, 
you know, people were jumping off, you know, the San Francisco Bridge, right? The Golden Gate Bridge. Yeah. People mm. were jumping out of their office windows. Yeah. Like minutes after the stock market crashed, people jumped out of their windows. That's how, that's how much they idolized money. Yeah, because for them that was it. Their life was over. For, for them, their money was their life. It was their security. It was their happiness. Mm. And so as soon as you take that away, for them, they've got nothing left. Yeah. I mean, how, how sad is that? Yeah. I just think like that must break the heart of the father yeah. so profoundly to see the people that he created that he's already provided that security for, to watch them place their security in something that's so fickle, so fragile, so fleeting, and then completely wrap their identities and their trust up in it, lose it, you know, and it's it's the plan of the enemy against the West, you know, warring against God's creation, trying to seek, kill and destroy. Like it just breaks the heart of God. Yeah. Mm. And I think the reason why they, they were committing suicide is because they wanted to control their money. They wanted to have control over that area of their life. Um, and I think that's another area we see culture come into it. That society mm. and culture says that we have control over our money and the decisions that we make will determine how much money we have. Mm. Therefore, when we make decision, we make a decision that's, that uh, is a bad move for our money and we lose money, mm. that, is, that cuts us to the core. Because mm. ideally the, mm. the base in here is control. We mm. want control over our money. Yeah. Would, you, would you agree with that? Oh, yeah. I think, our, like, honestly, our generation isn't as bad as the generation before us. So, and a lot of people are saying this about our generation as, as a plus. I mean, people talk smack about millennials all day. All day I do. All day. <laughs> Ryan's like, millennials come to work late. And expect a promotion. Um, however, millennials um, are the highest percentage of volunteers, so will we'll give most time um, and uh, actually are the most generous to charities than uh, has been for, for several generations. Um, and what's really interesting to me about people in my generation is still a lot of the time we will make decisions based on who's going to pay me more. However, you're seeing a much larger percentage of millennials saying uh, which job is going to give me more fulfillment, Yeah, you know, a, a sense of make a dent in the universe kind of thing. And I think, man, I think we're on the right track. I think like we're, we're getting kind of kingdom mindset stuff, but, you know, it's not because the king told us about it because we're recognizing the brokenness of idolizing money yeah. and we're actually seeing the brokenness of our world and going, that's not what I want. I want meaning and purpose in, in deeper, more intrinsic things. Yeah. And I think the gospel has, can say, okay, good. Like we're getting there. Take, take it further. You know, you really want to do something meaningful, do something that has eternal purpose and eternal value invest in the kingdom of god and invest in following a king mm. that's good that's good mm. i think we spent a lot of time just then talking about fleshing this idol out and what it looks like uh, in our society and and possibly in the church but how how can we identify it in our own lives how do we identify if we are actually idolizing money yes it, it's fuel to our idols to our you know idols in our life, but how do we identify if, if money and materialism is actually 
an idol for us. I think a good place to start is to open up your phone and load up whatever banking app that you're using. Um, I think uh, so. I use ING. I know you said yeah. you got Combank. Yeah. And most of them these days will actually categorize mm. where your money's going. Yeah. And it's depressing. Do yourself a favor. Run a month's <laughs> report. Run, run a quarter a quarterly report or something like that on your spending, and see where your money's going. Um, because I think you might be surprised as to whether mm. whether or not you have you know money falling through your fingers into into things that you mm. didn't even realize, mm. and and how much that adds up over time. Mm. It's so true because you know Jesus said, like if, if the question you're asking is how do you know you're idolizing money, he said where your treasure is, mm. there there your heart is yeah. also. Yeah. And so you can actually follow your bank trail, and it will end up at your heart. Mm. every time and so if, if you look open up your bank statement and you're like you know paying all of the things that you have to pay for to survive and then you're just generous you're you're giving to the poor the widow you know you're investing in the church to build the kingdom of god um you're investing in people that are up and coming um you know interns um if if your money is going there you follow that trail and you go my heart is in the kingdom of god mm. but if you're paying all your expenses and then you're paying for a whole bunch of really nice food all the time and a whole bunch of concerts and movies and clothes. And then you go, dang, I really can't afford to be generous. Okay, follow the trail and there's your heart. Mm. It's really simple. Yeah, because this battle takes place in our hearts. The yeah. battle against idolatry takes place in our hearts. And we've got to start there. Mm -hmm. And we've got to ask God to transform our hearts but before we do that, we need to recognize that our hearts are full and our hearts uh, want and desire the things of this world. And I think for the most of us, our hearts want and desire money. Mm. And it's a value thing, right? I, I think, Ryan, you said we, we spend money on what we value. And Jesus told a parable and said the kingdom of God is like a I think he said like a pearl or a treasure in a field or something. Yeah. And and someone would go and and buy the entire field just to have that treasure. And Jesus is saying, that's what the kingdom is like. And if you're listening to this and you're thinking, why? Okay, I do recognize it. I'm idolizing it. I see that. Um, why? Why am I idolizing it? Um, you're idolizing it because you don't understand how beautiful Jesus is and how incredible the kingdom that he is building on earth is and how all satisfying it is to partner with Jesus through worshiping him by building what he is building on earth. And that's what Jesus is saying. If you understood the value of this treasure, you would, you would buy the entire field just to have it. Mm. Like if we really got what Jesus is doing in transforming the world into the kingdom of God, then we would give as much as we possibly could to Jesus. Yeah, exactly. And this this fits nicely into a question that we sort of chatted through yesterday when we were chatting through this is, how do we react when mm. church leaders get up and speak about money? Mm -hmm. um, and I think if we're in the congregation and we squirm and we cringe and we turn our noses at that at that pastor, the leader, mm. then I think it's quite clearly that alarm bells going off, mm. Mm -hmm. that we just want to hold on to our money. 
Oh, it's always a, it's always a big alarm bell, isn't it? When someone touches your idol and you get nervous about it, that's when you know it's an issue. When mm. someone tries to take away the thing that you're idolizing and you get all fired up and up in arms about it, that's an idol in your life. Mm. And that's a, that's always a clear one with money. People, oh, don't you talk about my money. Don't you touch my money. Yeah, exactly. And then yeah, when the church pastor comes up and says, we need people to be more generous because we can't um, do things we want to do, then we, you know, we get up in arms, mm. some, some of us. Um, it's like the taboo topic yeah. in church. So, man, this is crazy. So the same people that I was with in Fiji saying that how they don't idolize money in the same way that we do, we went to their church, right? And they have a church service and they get to the giving. Pastors at the front, both, both pastors were at the front and they call out everybody in the church and they say, okay, you know, Jenny Craig, um, it's your turn. And everyone will watch her come all the way up to the front and put her offering in the bucket. Mm. And every, they did that for every single person in the church. Like imagine if we, during giving time, were like, okay, uh, Josh, Josh Mann. And you had to get up, walk to the front, give your tithes, sit down. Okay, Ryan, mm. you know, walk to the front. And we said, well, do you do this all the time? They're like, yeah, of course we do. And we said, it's just what we do. And you're like, well, what if someone doesn't want to give? Well, we call out their name and everyone sees them sitting there and there's no judgment. You know, you don't have to give, but it's just how we do it. Mm. I'm like... Wow. Oh, that would not fly in Castle <laughs> Hill. Oh my, there would be like pitchforks and fire. <laughs> Seriously. But is is our way better than their way? Definitely not. Well, I don't know. Because <laughs> I think it just speaks to our idols. <laughs> they they can do it in Fiji because they don't idolize money. They're very willing to part mm. with their money. We don't do it in Castle Hill because if we did... As you said, there would be pitchforks and fire and people would storm out of the building. Mm -hmm. And I actually don't say that jokingly, which is sad. Um, And I don't think doing that's the answer because we do live in a culture that idolizes money. exactly. And we don't want to be unwise with how we communicate. However, it's an interesting idea because no one in that church was up in arms about that. Mm -hmm. They were like, yeah, I'm apart with my money because it's Mm. God's my provider. Mm. Yeah, because I think... Generosity is the antidote to this idol. Mm. Um, and something that we've chatted about, and we won't go into it, but Barefoot, The Barefoot Investor is an amazing book. You know, I haven't read it, but everyone, everyone. I've read it. Yeah, everyone, I've read it. Yeah, I've read it. Well, if you've got an orange card, if you've got ING. Yeah, I've got an ING card. <laughs> you, that's, a, that's a dead giveaway. It's a it? giveaway. Uh, but everyone that I've talked to has recommended me this book. You know, Ryan said it's the best book. Ben Trainer, our lovely producer, loves it, swears by it. It's an amazing book, arguably the best book in our of our generation in terms of personal finance mm-hmm. if not ever mm. but it doesn't really say much in terms of generosity um yeah the, there's a final chapter about sort of a legacy but i think the the real key thing with the barefoot investor and I, as i've said i'm a big fan is that it's all about building wealth it's all about getting as much money as you can yes he gives you some good tips on how to save money and avoid spending and avoid debt and those sorts of things but his primary goal is about building your own personal wealth and building your own little empire. Mm. The very, very last chapter, he talks about giving some money away towards the end, but it's always after you've you've reached your personal goal or after you've you've built up your nest egg. Mm. And I think that's that's the real danger in that book. 
And and that's something that I I personally struggle with and I've got to keep fighting myself mm. on a daily basis. This is not my money. This is not, you know, my possessions. These are all given to me by my creator. Yeah. And I need to hold it very, very lightly. This is I'm not in control of this. Yeah. That's God's money and he's allowed me to steward it and I need to be a good steward of it. But it certainly shouldn't be trying to get as much of it and build mm. up my little pile as much as possible. Yeah. And that's exactly right. It is not ours to begin with. Mm. God has gifted us with that money that we have. Therefore, we need to be generous in the way that we spend it. Mm. Um, and what if, what if our lives, our hearts were completely transformed? Imagine the way that we would use our money. Because there's a story in the Bible, and we'll probably finish with fleshing this out a little bit. There's a story in the Bible, the story of Zacchaeus. Now, this guy, he was a tax collector. You know, people hated him because he would cheat people of their money. He would literally idolize money like nothing else. Mm. He just wanted to build his own wealth and go around and collect taxes, get more money on that, you know, fake interest, just get more and more and more and more and more. And then he met Jesus, right? Mm. And his heart was transformed. Mm. And then, you know, we were talking about what, what does he do after he was transformed by, by Jesus? Do you want to flesh that out a little bit, Sam? What, what does he actually mm. do after his heart is, is transformed by Jesus? Uh, part of the transformation was that he was immediately convicted. Mm. Immediately he said, what I've done is I've wronged people. I've, I've taken from them and I have to give them back what I've taken. Uh, and he, he doesn't just give them back what he took. He pays them back fourfold. So he says, I want to show you guys the reality of what Jesus has done in my life. I want to show you how loosely I hold this money and how much joy I have in Jesus. Let me just do something crazy and pay you back four times, four times. And of course, they're going, what the heck happened to Zacchaeus that he could suddenly have his whole worth wrapped up in money and then in a moment after meeting this guy, Jesus, feel so secure in his identity in this man, that he was willing to not just fix what he had wronged, but be radically generous. Mm. Like that's what happens when we get convicted of idols is we transform, Jesus transforms us. Mm. And like talking about money is one thing. Like if, if we get convicted over idolizing this thing and become radically generous, the church will change the world. Mm. There are 1 billion Christians on this planet. That's a lot of people. It's a lot of people. We could literally fix everything. That's the mission of the kingdom of God. We know that mm. is to bring heaven on earth to show people what God is like. If one billion Christians had radical generosity, wow. we could change everything. Yeah. That's what God is calling us to do. Um, and the pattern of, of what God is doing in our community and the people who are listening to this podcast is saying, if you guys want to want in on the kingdom, then you're going to have to give up these idols and you're going to get convicted. But then if you repent, if you do as Zacchaeus and you repent and times of refreshing and renewal come into your life, the church will change the world. And that's not a hypothetical thing. Like if we gave up, finding our approval in all of these things, our identity. You know, if we gave up messing around with sex, if we gave up messing around with money, if we gave up messing around with our time and actually were radically generous with everything, time, talent, treasure, words, encouragements, boldness, 
the church would change yeah. the entire face of human history. And that's the thing. When we're talking about approval and repenting and being transformed with approval, the end result of that isn't so tangible. Mm. You know, we, we know it's good. We know the end result is always going to be good and we're going to find our approval in Jesus and that's going to be awesome. But with money, with materialism, it, so tangible. It's so tangible. Like he said, if we stop idolizing money, if we allow God to transform our hearts and become radically generous like Zacchaeus, mm. then as he said, we could literally transform the world. If we think about our local church, whatever local church you attend, if every one of your members is transformed like Zacchaeus mm. and is generous with their money and doesn't hold on to it, you think about how many missionaries you could send out. Mm-hmm. Think how many more staff members you could employ to minister to the local youth, the local young adults, the, the local wherever, wherever they are, so that they will hear the message of Jesus. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's not about lights. It's not about cameras. It's not about possessions. It's about people hearing the yes. message of Jesus. And loving people. I mean, when the church is generous, people get loved and cities and nations are transformed by the radical generosity of the church. Yeah. Hmm. Well, I think we'll, I think we're going to leave it there because, yeah, I'm personally right now pretty overwhelmed with mm. that thought because if we actually were generous the way that Christ intends us mm. to be generous, then we the church will change the world, and that's what we've got to strive for. That's what we've been called to do. That's what God has called us. So let's lean in. Let's repent. Let's get mm. God to transform our hearts so that we can change the world. Thanks for listening, guys. Remember, renewal in our generation must start with a renewal of our hearts.